How are y'all doing this morning? Uh, thank y'all for allowing me to, uh, to come back and spend a Sunday morning with you. Thank you for allowing uh, me to bring my son down here. We've had a pretty good trip. Yesterday, we went to Fort Benning where we uh, prayed over some soldiers as they were getting ready to go to Kuwait. Uh, and then we drove over here last night and we've had, a, uh, we've had a pretty good time just making our way from Fort Benning down this way and stopped at Publix and had a good sandwich and that is always a good day. I do want to ask you to pray for my family as we get going. Uh, I got a message from Rebecca this morning. Noah's not doing that well today. Um, if y'all would just keep him in your prayers, I would appreciate it. Thank you for your blessings that you've given my family uh, in the past, and, and please keep them in your prayers. And then please pray for us uh, over the coming 12 months or so. Uh, I know I've told Matt, and I will tell y'all, I will be headed to Afghanistan next year with an infantry battalion. If you would keep our soldiers and keep my family in your prayers, I would greatly appreciate it as uh, we head over there to minister to soldiers. So this morning, we're going to be reading in John chapter 21. All right, so we're going to, can y'all hear me if I just talk loud? So I'm going to speak loud. If I hurt ears, I will apologize. Chapter 21 going to be, and I want to ask you a question this morning, and I think I'm pretty sure what you're going to say, but I want to ask you a question. Is God good? Yes. Everybody says amen. Everybody, in fact, if I were to say God is good, what are half of you going to say? And I'm going to say all the time, and you're going to say what? Let's read in John chapter 21. I'm going to read out of the uh, English Standard Version because that's what's up on uh, my tablet right now, and if we can use an excuse that we're singing hymns and songs from a phone, I can read my Bible from a laptop. All right, John chapter 21, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And let me pause here and say, that's proof they were fishing with one of my ancestors because they caught nothing. <laughs> just as the day was breaking in chapter, in verse number four, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and he hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples, I like this. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and so with the fish. 
This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Almighty God, I thank you for your word this morning, Lord. I thank you that you give us details like 153 fish, Lord, that uh, help us to understand that these are not stories we're reading, but these are actual accounts in your word. And Lord, as we open it this morning and as we read from it, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would rest here this morning, that you would speak to our hearts, and Lord, that we would turn our lives back to you, that we would honor you, worship you, and praise you this morning. Bless those that are on their way back here today, Lord, I pray you would give them traveling mercy and see them safely home. In the name of Jesus, amen. So God is good. Come on, I had amens a minute ago. Man, doesn't take y'all long, does it? So what we have here, we have Jesus uh, or the disciples. Now, there's a lot of argument, let me tell you, by the way, on whether or not Peter had lost his faith at this point. Because it says Peter went fishing. He wasn't, there, there are some scholars, I'm going to say scholars this way, who say that Peter had given up his faith because he went fishing. I don't see that here. What I see is Peter was probably hungry and was trying to figure out how he was going to eat. So he went fishing, and he said to the other disciples, I'm going to go fishing, and they went with him. And while they're out on the boat, they fished all night long, and they caught nothing. So I know uh, when I grew up, my, my dad would take me fishing, and every, I mean, every single time we're fishing, we would be out there, I would throw out my line, and inevitably, somebody would walk by, and they would say the same thing every time. I think it's a rule. Hey, y'all catching anything? My dad every time would say, no, not a thing. But we were having fun. We would go out and fish. And that's what's happening here. It seems that they're out on the boat. They're casting their nets. And then Jesus is on the, bo- on the shore. Hey, y'all catching anything? No, not a thing. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. And they did it. And they couldn't even haul it in. And can you, can you picture John? The one whom Jesus loved, if you're not aware, that's John. He never calls himself John. He always refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Can you see him when, when, they, when they're doing this and they cast that net in there and it's so full of fish they can't pull it in? Can you see the little light bulb go off over his head as he goes, this has happened before. This has happened before and it was Jesus that did that. And he looked to Peter and he said, Peter. It's the Lord. He's here. He's here, Peter. And Peter was so excited that he, was, uh, he had his, um, his robe. Because they were out in the sun, he would take his robe off, wrap it around his waist. Well, it says he put that on. He dove in the water so that he could get to where Jesus was, about 100 yards away. He couldn't wait for the ship or the boat to make it into the shore. Now, isn't that a blessing of God that they're out there, they fished all night, and then the Lord shows up and blesses them by saying, cast your net on the right side, and they get so many fish, they can't even haul the net in. Would you all agree that that's a blessing of the Lord? Would you agree that if you were on that boat, you would probably say, man, the Lord is so good. Look at all these fish, 153 of them. And some of y'all are aware that I'm an idiot. And I like to fight. So I go down to a boxing club in Atlanta, which makes me second part idiot for going to Atlanta on purpose. (laughs) But I do. So uh, I was in the boxing gym about three weeks ago. And it is in a not good part of Atlanta. So I came out of the gym, big parking lot, 
And as I'm walking to my car, which is maybe from here to that wall away from the front door of the gym, there's a guy walking up and down like my car and then the car that's parked pointing me. And he's walking up and down right in that next aisle. So he's only about 15 feet away from my car. And he's walking up and down the parking lot like this. And everybody's... And he's using words that I don't ever want to repeat. And he's obviously very angry. Or I will own that my thought was he was obviously very drunk because of where I was. I'm not being mean. That was my impression. So I, as I walked towards my car, I took my glasses off so I could see him better. And I thought, I'm going to get a chance to see how good I am in just a few minutes. <laughs> and then I thought, what if I'm not as good as I think I am? So I kept watching him, and I, I, I made it to my car, and I put my hand on my door, and I'm looking at him, and I opened my door, and I sat down in. What do y'all think the first thing was I did when I sat down in my car? Because I'm a tough guy. What did I do? I locked the doors. Because, I mean, he couldn't break the glass, so I locked the doors. And I, I started my car, and as I'm about to put my car into reverse, I look up, and I'm looking into the eyes of the person whose car is facing me. And he puts his car in reverse at the same time that I put my car in reverse. Only I didn't move. He hit the gas pedal. And as he hit the gas pedal, I could see straight through his car, that guy had his hands on the back of that guy's car. So this guy went flying up into the air. He flew back about uh, 8 or 10 feet, landed on the ground, and he got up. And this guy, the driver of the car in front of me, got out of his car. <laughs> he was a lot braver than I am. He walked around his car, and he was about this tall, y'all. The guy walking up and down the parking lot was about this tall. And this little guy walked back there, and he's like this, getting closer to this guy, and he started swinging. Now, the big, tall guy who was so angry walking up and down the parking lot, he's backing up, and he's ready to start hitting back. And as all of this is going on, I look around the parking lot, and everybody had their phones out, and they were all videoing this. <laughs> I rolled my window down because I frankly, again, I will admit, my thought was, this old man's going to need some help in a few minutes. I'm going to make sure that I can get out and help him. So I'm watching this. I'm about 15 feet away. The woman in the passenger seat of the car got out, and she looked at the old man as he's swinging at this tall guy who was about 30 years old. And the, the tall guy's backing up. She looks at him, and she says these words, Jay, you are dead to me. You are not my son anymore. You will never come to my house again. And this tall guy that I'm watching in this parking lot who's trying to get away from this young guy says, but Mama and Daddy, I just want to go home. And my heart broke a little bit. And I started thinking, what if I, in the middle of that, what if I got out of my car and I walked over there and I stood in the middle, this old man while he's swinging and this young guy while he's backing up and the mother who's saying, don't ever come to my house again, Jay, you're dead to me, you're not my son. What if I stood in the middle of them and I said, amen, God is good. How would that communicate, do you think? They might now start thinking I was the one who was drinking. So I watched this play out a little bit more, and a lady drove in, and she got out, and she walked over to the mother and set her down in the car and said, just get in your car, honey, get in your car and go home. She put the dad in the car, and then she went and wrapped her arms 
around this guy and began to pray for him standing there in the parking lot in Brookhaven. And I realized God really is good. Even in the midst of this turmoil, God is still there. And God brought this woman right up in the middle of that to pray for this guy, to minister to that mother and that father and get them in the car. That was a hard situation, but God was still in the middle of it. I saw on YouTube, not on YouTube, on Facebook not long ago, uh, out of um, northeast Atlanta, up in Gwinnett County, a young girl, 14 years old, went missing. She went home from school. She went to a private school. She got out of uh, school that day. She was on her way home, and she never made it home. And they began to share her picture all over Facebook, and it went all over the world. And people said the same thing. Every single person just about that responded to the picture said, we're praying for her, praying for you, our prayers to you, our thoughts to you. We're praying for her. Well, the girl was found about 12 hours later, 14 hours later, something like that. She was okay. So they, uh, the police found her. She had run away from home. They took her home. And every post on all of the pictures that I saw of that little girl, every post said the same thing. They all said, Amen. God is so good. So I began to think about these two situations. And then I thought about what happens to the mother whose daughter goes missing and that daughter's found dead or that daughter isn't found. And she sees this post and, and all of us, all of me, write on, all the, on, the, on, on some posts, God is so good because things worked out well for you. How do we have that joy when things don't work out? How do we have that same joy? How do we have that same worship when things aren't working out well for us? And do we even see that in Scripture? So Jesus, now three times, he's shown himself to the disciples. Three times. They saw him. You remember, they saw him at his trial. John, the one whom Jesus loved, saw him die. And now three times, even on the boat, here is Thomas, the one who doubted him. Three times now they've seen Jesus alive after he was crucified. Three times they've seen him raised from the dead. And you know that they would have to be able to say at this point, Amen, God is good. We were hungry and our Lord showed up and gave us food. But the story doesn't end there. The very next verse, verse number 15. The Bible tells us when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. And by the way, let me pause there. And uh, if, if you aren't aware, I believe most people are, but if you aren't aware, Simon was called Simon until Peter became his name when Jesus said, you are Simon, but on this rock, Peter, I will build my church because of his faith. So here we have, uh, just a moment ago, we saw John, the one whom Jesus loved, saying, Peter, it's the Lord, and now the Lord is going to begin to speak to Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, or son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than all of these love me? Do you love me more than you love these? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And and Peter said to him, or Simon said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. 
You know, he had to pat his belly a little bit. Oh, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus said. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And then he went on to say, Jesus did, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to, sorry, somebody's calling me. So apparently my tablet is a phone now. Did not know that could happen. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And I want everybody to look at verse number 19. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter's probably feeling a little bit different now. Number one, Jesus didn't call him Peter. Jesus called him Simon, which was the name he had before Jesus said, your name's Peter. He calls him Simon. It reminds Peter that he's still a man. And then Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And you know on that third time, Peter had to think back and think, wasn't that long ago where I said I would die for Jesus, where I said I will do anything, I will go anywhere, I will die for you, Lord. It wasn't that long ago that Jesus told me I would deny him three times before the rooster crows. And he knew that I would deny him. So, so when Jesus asks me the third time, do you love me? You know, Simon's got to be going, man, what don't I know? What am I doing wrong? Where am I going wrong? Why is he asking me three times? Because he already knows. And then... And then Jesus says, when you were young, right now you go wherever you want, you do whatever you want, but there's coming a day, Simon, there's coming a day where they're going to put you in shackles and they're going to kill you because of me. Church tradition holds that Simon Peter was crucified upside down. He According to church tradition said, I do not want, I am not worthy to die as my Lord did. Crucify me upside down. I wonder if as he's hanging upside down on that cross, if he said, amen, God is good. So here's what I want you to do this morning, church. There are a few things that we can see in this passage. The reality in our lives is that things are not always going to work out for us. They just are not. And we live in a country today, specifically in a country today, where the majority of mainstream Christianity says things are going well, therefore God is good. And on the flip side, things aren't going well. Bless your heart, I'm going to pray for you. Because something must be wrong with us if things aren't going well. Because it works out for that person who prays. Why doesn't it work out for me? It works out for them, and I have been there. Why is my son disabled? 
If I'm, if I'm honest with y'all, I have been there. God, why did you do this to my son? And here's what I've learned. At the end of the day, God is still good. God doesn't save me for the next six months. He doesn't say, bless your heart, I'm going to put something around you to take care of you for six months. He doesn't say that. What he says is, because of my blood, I am going to seal you until the day of redemption. And nothing will ever take you out of my hand. And nothing will take me out of the Father's hand. I don't care. I'm not saying it this way. He's saying, let me rephrase that. He's saying, it does not matter what goes on in your life. You belong to me and nothing will change that. God is good. Because here's the beauty of that. When Brian gets angry and does things he's not supposed to do, God is still good. God still loves me. God still allows me to take another breath. God still allows me to spend time with my son. God still allows me to serve him. And he's given us three things, church, that we need to do. The first one that he says to Peter here is, feed my lambs. Go, go tell people about me. Go tell people. Go feed the lambs. Go let them know that I can save them. Go feed the lambs. And then the second thing is to tend his sheep. Raise up disciples. But specifically in the tend the sheep part, take care of each other. Look out for each other. Things aren't going to go well. And I got to tell you, y'all, this body of believers here, y'all do this really well. Y'all care for each other better than many churches that I've been in. You love each other and you like you like being with each other, which is really kind of weird. Some of y'all. If we go back in time just about uh, two and a half years ago, my son, Noah, when I walk in the house now, um, he is nonstop talking. What are you doing, Dad? Where have you been? What time will you get up tomorrow? Where are you going tomorrow? Will you kiss me in the morning? Can I eat? All of these things my son couldn't do two years ago. But I don't know if y'all are aware of this. There's a little church down in Claxton, Georgia, that reached out to my family and helped us to get something to take care of my child. And he speaks now. He speaks because y'all tended to the sheep. Y'all follow where I'm going with that? And you do that with each other as well. Do you know that I have soldiers regularly who call me and say, please tell that church down in Claxton, they made a difference in my life just by letting me come in an old dirty uniform and sit down and hear somebody stand up on stage and tell me about a Jesus I didn't know existed. Y'all are tending sheep. You are feeding lambs. You are doing that. And then the next one here is to feed my sheep. You are growing people in Christ's likeness. You have discipleship groups. You have a pastor who stands here almost every Sunday. And, you know, not every because he's not here today, so I can't say every. But you have a pastor who stands here and preaches the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have Sunday school classes that teach people about Jesus. You, have, you teach the little ones about Jesus, and you teach those that are more seasoned in their life about Jesus. 
You are doing well, Eastside, of tending and feeding the sheep. And then you reach out to your community. Y'all are amazing at what you do in reaching out to your community. A couple of nights ago, Friday night, uh, I took Rebecca and the boys up to the Rome Braves because I love baseball. So we went and watched the Rome Braves play, and we were in a suite. They bring a player in to talk to us every game we go up there. So we're in there, Noah's waiting for the mascot because he likes to see the big blue guy come in. Uh, and the player comes in, and, and he stands there. I shook his hand, and uh, I said, so um, where are you from? He said, I'm from Statesboro. Wow, okay. Well, my son and I are headed down that way tomorrow. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Claxton. He said, well, that's where I'm from. But nobody knows about Claxton, so I just tell everybody Statesboro. <laughs> so, wow, I'm going to preach down there. He said, what church? I said, Eastside Baptist. He said, I know that church. His name is uh, Taylor Lewis. Yeah, Taylor Lewis. Great guy. The point there is, in Rome, Georgia, I still hear about your church. Because y'all are ministering to people and you care for people. Don't stop that, because if we read what happens here in Scripture, the very next thing, Jesus, just t- Jesus tells Peter, you're going to die. You're not going to want to. They're going to shackle you. They're going to take you to your death. And Peter does what I would do. Peter, I, oh, I know he has to go, wait a minute. Did you forget I'm the rock? I am the rock. I can't die like this, because I'm the rock. So... If I'm going to die this way, Jesus, what about him? What about him? And he points to John. And Jesus says, actually in verse number 20, Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper. And he said, when, uh, when Jesus had said, or had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, well, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, What's that to you? You follow me. Here's the deal, y'all. Let's stop being, and not y'all, as a church, let's stop praising God when things are going well and saying we're going to pray for each other when things aren't. And let's do what Jesus said and follow him. He said, there's two commandments I give you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we put that into practice and follow him, things may not always work out well for us. We're going to have hardships. We're going to have bad times. We're going to have people that get cancer. We are going to see people die uh, deaths that, that we don't like. But Jesus doesn't make an exception. He says, follow me period. Regardless of what's going on in your life, follow me. When you like it, follow me. When you don't, follow me. There's not an out clause here. Love your neighbor. Love your God. And when things get to be too heavy for you, lay them down at his feet. There's no promise that he will fix everything for you. But there is a promise that says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's the message today. Don't give up. Because things aren't going well in your life, 
don't give up. It doesn't mean God's mad at you. I hear that all the time. I believe I've told you about the soldier <clears throat> the soldier who uh, was raped when he was four years old by his mother who turned nine and his brother did the same thing and then he turned 19 and his, another family member did the same thing to him and he's sitting in front of me crying and he's saying I've prayed, I've done what the preacher told me to do. Why does God hate me so much that these things happen in my life? Well, y'all, Jesus hung on a cross for us. He shed his blood when he didn't have to. He laid his life down so that you and I can have life eternal, so that we could be sealed until the day of redemption. Y'all spent some time down in Haiti, and, and I spoke with, uh, spoke with the judge here, spoke with Matt, and both of them have said, that's a rough place, but God is active there. God is ministering to them. And you said, if I got it right, they don't know they're not blessed. Is that right? We call ourselves blessed because things work out. Anybody in here lived through the Great Depression? You're not going to raise your hand because you don't want me to know, do you? My grandmother told me, during the Great Depression, she didn't know she was poor because everybody was poor. We often don't know we're blessed because everybody's blessed. But we feel the pain when things aren't going our way. Give it to Jesus and just follow him. What I want to do is I'd like for everybody to bow your heads. And, and if there's something that you're struggling with personally, you don't have to tell me what it is. But if I could pray for you, what I would ask for you to do is to just raise your hand and say, God, look, I need some help. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do anything. But I know people here are struggling. If there's something that we can pray for you, just raise your hand. And in a moment, we're going to pray, Lord, those that raise their hands, please, Father, rest your grace and your mercy upon them. Your grace is sufficient. Be with them, minister to them in this time, and help them to know that you are God. And if there isn't anything then we want to pray for you as well because the Lord is still working on you. You're still here. You're still taking a breath. And we still have people that we can minister to. And as we're praying, the altar is open. Please come down and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Give it to him. Cast your cares upon him, the Bible says, for he cares for you. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what he meant was I can be hungry, I can be naked, I can be destitute. I can do all of these things through Jesus Christ. So that is my prayer for you this morning. Let's pray together. Almighty God, Lord, those that raise their hands this morning, Father, that are hurting, those in this congregation that didn't raise their hands that are hurting, Lord, we lift up together as one body to you. We pray for your grace. We pray for your mercy. We pray, Lord, that our hearts would be turned to you. We pray that as a body we would come together and continue to tend to the sheep, continue to minister to those within this body that need help, that are hurting. Lord, we lift up to you and pray that your spirit would minister to those, that your grace and your mercy would be poured out over us, Lord. We pray that we would continue here in this building to be a light to this community, reaching out and, and feeding the lambs and, and feeding the sheep and telling them about the love of a Savior who has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you because I know what that's like and it will not happen to you. 
And Lord, as we're in the middle of our own hurts, our own pains, and our own battles, I pray that your gospel would be real to us and that we would remember that you didn't die for us for 30 minutes. You died for us for eternity that we might have eternal life. And Lord, that that would become real to us and we would begin to understand abundant life and eternal life even in the midst of our pains and our sorrows. Lord, bless this church. Bless this pastor. Bless these people. Build around them, Lord, a a protection that they might be able to minister unfettered in this community in the name of Jesus. And continue your spirit in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. If we can have, can we have a song? Just one quick song? I do want to open the altar. Here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day of salvation. You are aware of that. Today is the day that Jesus has said, come to me and I will give you life and I will give it more abundantly. Today is the day you have the opportunity to be sealed for all eternity. Or you have the opportunity to walk out the door and reject the love of a Savior who said, I care for you. I love you and I've paid it all for you. I want to take a moment to open the altar for anybody 